You are listening to the Type 8 Podcast, hosted by J.J. Goldsbury. A show for a Type 8, by a Type 8. The podcast is brought to you by EnneagramPodcasts.com, where you can listen to all our shows featuring all nine Enneagram types. Let's get into the show. Hey, hey, hey. All right. So this is episode one of the Type 8 podcast, where we're going to dive into the inner workings of a Type 8. And a lot of you may or may not know what a Type 8 is, but the Enneagram Institute in most places would consider a Type 8 the challenger. Now, this has caused so much confusion in my life and I'll kind of dig into why. But I just want to kind of go over just the foundations of uh, why the Type 8 podcast exists. Um, Some pretty cool stuff has transpired over the last several months. I ended up getting married to my absolute dream woman. Her name is Adriana Goldsbury. It's weird to uh, have a woman's last name, a woman's first name, followed by my last name, that's what I'm trying to say. (laughs) She's a dream come true. She's amazing. We've had such a fun journey um, exploring together, learning together. So yeah, we're married, and it's weird, and exciting, and fun, and wild, and challenging. And I honestly have the Enneagram to thank for a lot of humility, I guess. (laughs) I've learned a lot about myself, and... um, in this journey of self, self-exploration, self I've just learned what it looks like to hurt people, and I've learned what it looks like to um, empower people on both ends of the spectrum, and realistically, at both both points, just seeing what where that comes from, and it's been life-changing. It's really showed me a lot about my life and really increased self-awareness, so that's what we're going to dive into today. So the Enneagram, I, I like to describe the Enneagram, and it, I don't know if anyone's ever described it this way. So if you have, please please don't you know get mad at me for taking any trademarks on any words. But, but realistically, a lot of personality tests come at you, and they would, they would say, here's the box you're in, and here's how you being put into this box helps you function in society. Now, what's great about the Enneagram is it takes a more in-depth approach. Um, Some would would say on more of a spiritual level. And it shows you the box that you you live in, and it teaches you how to get out. And instead instead of you having to live life from this point of like, oh, I'm a ENFJ or I'm a D on the disc, and you use that as an excuse, the Enneagram kind of helps you and empowers you to grow. And what it does is it kind of just shows you your natural state of existence um, on a a psychological and a spiritual level. And then it'll show you, it'll show you like, hey, you're this, when you're acting super insecure and you're just a mess emotionally and spiritually, it'll show you like, this is, this is what your fears are. And this is how you're acting. And this is kind of what's going on, and so it'll help you kind of navigate your, your, your way back to who you are. And there's a really good book out right now called The Road Back to You. I would highly suggest 
that book by Ian Crone is it's a very, very great description of, um, I should say, breakdown on on the Enneagram and, and put into very modern terms. And so on the other end of the spectrum, it would then communicate, okay, when you're really healthy and you're in a really positive state, this is kind of where you live and um, this is kind of what's going on. And then in that, there's, you know, there's all new sets of fears. So so on the Enneagram, I am naturally what's called an eight. And the eight is a very, very interesting um, type description, I would say, simply because I, I get put between a lot of spaces, if that makes sense. So kind of um, some descriptions that people would use on what the type eight is, is a powerful dominator, very self-confident, decisive, willful, willful and confrontational. Now, being in a lot of Christian circles my whole life and um, just doing a lot of things, when you are a very insecure person, this is not a great number to be, <laughs> simply because you're always fighting. Um, when, you're in, when you're in an unhealthy state, you're always fighting for uh, validation. You're always fighting for the top, but you just don't have... The capability for that. And, you know, there's a lot of people that end up getting it. They get a lucky break. And when they don't know who they are, they get to the top in an eights, you know, as an eight, they get to the top and they crash and they burn and they have a hard fall. And I think a lot of people, you know, in other types of experiences as well, but eights most specifically are the ones that probably fall farthest off the ladder. You know, I'd probably say eight in a three, they're kind of the more dominator, um, go-getter types. Now, an eight, when they're really healthy, it's kind of a beautiful thing. I mean, I hate to toot my own horn, and I still got a lot to learn and a lot of journey to live, but it's really fun, I would say, being a healthy eight, because you kind of just settle into this place of um, of just self-confidence, and, and, it, and it's really neat because you kind of reach this moment where you realize you don't have to protect yourself and you don't have to promote yourself. And, you know, obviously there's times where those things are necessary just in life, but but it's not from a place of insecurity. It's from a place of vulnerability where you're genuinely excited for your life. You're genuinely excited for what you're doing and who you are. And um, it's just really fun. It's really fun. And then you throw other people into the mix, and it makes it crazy and wild. And you realize, man, I don't actually have it figured out, and you get humbled, and yeah, here we are. <laughs> so in this podcast, I'm going to be very vulnerable, I'm going to be very open with everybody, and um, yeah, I just hope, my, my hope and my vision for this thing is to invite you into the journey um, of self-discovery. It's, it's, you know, I mean, you know, a lot of people describe the Enneagram, it's, and, and why it's honestly a very hard thing to really quantify at first simply because it's it's not linear and i think you know modern society we've kind of gotten into trouble and i would definitely say this in most religious circles we've gotten into trouble trying to make things linear when they're not and realistically we're all trying to figure this out none of us have it down um we're all a mess in our own way, but we're all also super beautiful in our own way. And the Enneagram is great. It, it really leads you on this journey of figuring it out, learning it, 
um, learning yourself. And once you get in somewhat of a good spot, it's really fun because then you can kind of go and learn other people and hopefully help them on their journey, which is why I'm here today. I'm uh, very passionate about helping people on their journeys. Um, so yeah, so that's why we're here. So some things I wanted to kind of just go through. I just, I really just want to invite you guys into my journey um, and how I got to where I am. I'm currently sitting in beautiful Los Angeles in Beverly Hills, and I do not know how I got here. <laughs> um, it's definitely a story for the history books, and I'm just so thankful and so blessed to be um, where I'm at in life right now, and, and it's an interesting transition season, but it's, it's super fun. But growing up, I didn't really have a whole lot. I didn't have a lot of people championing me. I didn't have really anybody in my life teaching me anything about emotional stability, but in fact lived in a very two, actually I should say my parents were divorced, I lived in two very volatile and hostile uh, living environments. And so emotion, emotions and emotional ability wasn't something that I just got handed. And uh, so I just had to learn it all myself. And very lonely, very uh, confusing. I was an only child, so I didn't have any brothers or sisters. Thank God I had a couple cousins that kept me somewhat grounded, I guess. They're pretty wild, but <laughs> it's pretty nuts. But my mom... She struggled with addiction her whole life, and um, she's an amazing woman. I have a great relationship with her today. She's doing incredible. So thankful for her, but growing up was really difficult. She was she was dealing with a lot. So as a young boy, um, between the ages of, geez, right when I first came out until I was about eight years old, it was pretty much her and I. My dad was also kind of in a battle for his life. Um, he He suffered alcoholism and drug abuse, and when I was about four or five years old, he, he went into rehab for several years and, and just totally went to town. He, he was just such an amazing man, so strong, and it's been really neat to, to walk through my journey, getting to watch how, um, as hard as it was as a boy, and you don't understand, and, you know, I mean, you're, you're living in this life that you know, I mean, looking back, most people could objectively say, gosh, like, how'd you do that? It must have been so hard. But as a kid, you don't know what you don't know. And even today, you don't know what you don't know. So you kind of just enter into this space where it's like, great, this is what I have. And it's awesome, you know, and kids are so full of adventure and fun. And so to me, you know, when I had a mom that didn't come home, I was like, great, dude, <laughs> you know, six year, six year old with no accountability. It was pretty wild. So I'm thankful for my journey. I'm thankful for watching my parents individually um, go through what they went through because it taught me that, you know, we can't, we can't run from our issues. And the more we decide to run, especially on an emotional and spiritual level, when we decide to run from our issues, they get worse. Graham Cook has an amazing saying that I probably say way too much, but he, he says, God will keep you in the same cycles until you learn the lessons you need to learn. And I've just kind of adapted that through life and kind of just taken inventory of what's going on and really, really just watch, okay, what, what lessons am I learning today? What, what am I dealing with it today? And as hard as it may be or as tough or challenging as it can be at so many different times and different levels, just pursuing that space and, and asking that question, okay, what do I need to know? 
I think, um, and I'm number one guilty of this one because of my only child syndrome, but kind of, oh, it's easy to sit in a position of, God, why, why is this happening to me? Or how could you do this to me? Um, you know, kind of sitting in our post-modern Christianity, selfish brat kind of attitude of, you know, victim mentality saying this is happening to me. And instead, God's inviting us. Like, we're being invited into a journey, um, an exploration where we don't know. We don't, we don't know what will happen tomorrow. We don't know, you know, what, what's around the bend. And Paul Young says it best. He's like, when we future trip, it keeps us stuck. And, you know, future tripping is the worst. And, and so, you know, I've spent a lot of years in counseling. Um, at about 12 years old, I had, I had a lot of serious things happen in my life, from sexual abuse to, um, you know, parent situation and then crazy mom's ex-boyfriend situations <laughs> that really put me on a journey of realizing, like, wow, at 12 years old, um, I have a lot to deal with. And I, I just took an inventory of my life at that age. Actually, at eight years old, and which is how I ended up moving in with my dad. And just took an inventory and just said, Mom, I can't live with you anymore. Um, I had a vision when I was a young boy that really kind of pushed my heart to a direction of healing. And I didn't want to repeat what my family had repeated. And I didn't want to do what my parents had done. And I'm thankful and grateful for everything they've done for me. But I wanted to, I wanted to, change, I wanted to change the title. I wanted to, to rebuild... Um, what I felt, even as a young boy, like our family was created to do, and that hadn't been done. So at 13, I decided to do that and entered into counseling, <laughs> and this really amazing man um, back in my hometown, Tri-Cities, Washington, shout out, and I'm sure there's some cheers happening because nobody's heard of Tri-Cities, Washington. But I, um, yeah, I entered into some counseling and started to kind of get a grip on on life, and it was incredible. It changed everything for me, and, and so kind of long story through high school, long story kind of through college, and except for it was kind of a short two years, <laughs> dropped out of Bible college, but I, I kind of just got pushed on this journey where I was a part of a really big, amazing church, and... I was personally dying, and I didn't know what it was, and I didn't know what was going on, so I kind of even went further on the journey of self-discovery and and kind of started getting into what the Christian circles call inner healing, and through inner healing, I started to learn how to hear God's voice, and I don't mean in in like a, you know, I read the scriptures and hear him talk to me. No, it's I sit down and I ask God a question, and he answers, and um, so I started doing that, and I had to go to some of the deepest places I've ever gone, walk through some of the, the most painful hurts I've ever had to walk through, forgive some of the most hurtful, hurtful people I never really wanted to forgive. Um, and because of that, became free on, emotionally. So in the midst of that, had several businesses through my early 20s um, back in Portland, started a big church with, with some really close friends, and still was a mess, an absolute mess. Um, this, was, this was now roughly two and a half years ago. I had 
had a couple coffee shops I was running and, um, yeah, everything collapsed in on me. <laughs> and it was the best thing that ever happened. I, um, I lost absolutely everything, had to sell my house, lost everything from my house, lost the business, lost the church that I kind of helped start and had to completely rebuild my life. And so in the midst of that, um, the only option that I had at the time was to move to L.A. with nothing. And a week, kind of long, you know, it's a long story, of course, but but basically I ended up selling my house and all the money I, w- I made off my house I was going to invest into coming to L.A. and just spending a year and investing in people and investing in myself. Taking a year, break from business, kind of just cutting that whole thing off. and And so... I did that, and about a week, a week, two weeks before I was supposed to move, and about two days before my house was going to close, excuse me, I got a phone call saying that I had basically lost all the money and um, on a bad business deal, and that was devastating because I got forced, God forced me into a position where I could not do it on my own, and with being an eight. With a seven wing, I love people and I love being in charge. And I, I, um, I, I kind of love sitting in the driver's seat. It's just naturally how I operate. Um, my my dad was a very very good worker, and he taught me very early on hard work is essential. And so I I push hard and I don't stop. And so God had to be very very drastic in his. Um, gameplay to kind of get me to submit, and he did. So I spent a year in LA not working and intentionally basically just living on faith, and the stories of that are insane. There's there's probably a book in there somewhere, because that is pretty wild. But yeah, so spent some spent about a year, year and a half living in LA um, with nothing, being nothing, and just loving people and learning how to love myself, and that that was that that year year and a half journey was probably the most intense and difficult and challenging and hard journey I think I've ever experienced because it was just me and Jesus and um, and even more so me and myself and the depths to which I had to go were extensive and I never thought I'd have to do that but it completely changed my life learning learning how to submit, and even even recently just with getting married and, you know, learning how to be a good husband and a good partner and even a good friend and friendships, um, I think one of the craziest things I never expected to learn was how to die well, dying to myself. And I don't think that's, that's something I've ever actually heard. <laughs> I mean, being in church for many years since my, my early teens, I don't think I've ever learned how to die well. And so I had to do that. And I had to give up everything to gain everything. I had to go in so that I could go out. I had to learn how to go down so that I could go up. And it's kind of like when you're on an airplane and, you know, when the when the air mask comes down, they say you have to put yours on first before you can put anybody else's on. And I had to learn how to do that, you know, and... Um, which I found very fascinating because I've I kind of learned growing up in Christianity, especially in our religion, that 
other people come first, which I believe there's truth in that. You know, I believe that other people are important. Giving's important. Loving well. Loving other people's important. Um, but you really can't do that until you learn how to love yourself. And I know that firsthand, um, kind of, you know, through so many experiences in life. I mean, I think that's a very universal truth. And unfortunately, we have a lot of people out there that are helping people and they're doing an amazing job. And then everything kind of wraps around and they have to encounter a place that they never thought they would. And so now I am very much encouraging the journey of discovering you. And so I want to thank Ian, Ian Cron, for writing the book, The Road Back to You, because he, I mean, he's not the first person to really outline the Enneagram at all, um, but I think he's done a great job at putting it into language that our generation can speak. But I also have to give a shout out to Father Richard Rohr. You are an animal, and I just want to thank you so much for your wisdom and your teachings on um, the spiritual level of individuals. I, I, if I could, I would invest so much money into just teaching and training people how to be themselves. So maybe that's what this podcast will become. Who knows? I don't know. I don't even know what this will turn into, but that's kind of just an outline of my journey. Um, it's a very, very wild. And I, I mean, people that didn't know me years ago would would look at my life and say, gosh, like he's got it all together. But inside I was dead. I mean, I'd stand up and preach the goodness of God and the goodness of, you know, oh, life is so great. Life is amazing. You're powerful, blah, blah. And just preach it. And then I would go home and feel like absolute garbage and doubt myself. Doubt. I would even doubt if God's real. I would doubt, man, is this, is this even, is this even true? And the thing I learned most through that was truth isn't what you know, it's what you believe. And in the Greek-influenced society that we live in, unfortunately, we have the opportunity to go to school for four years and become an expert on something and have a paper that tells us we got it all figured out and never, ever actually have to live that truth and I think there's just a massive breakdown happening where people are starting to get tired of it. You know, our generation, we don't want fake. We want real. And there's a massive war on social media happening right now where there's that dynamic that's very real. And it's, and it's in front of us. And it's telling us that we have to be something that we're not. And um, so I just, I just my, my heart and my hope is that through... Through this journey with me and the rest of the types, we have another great, great number of hosts who are incredible. My hope and dream is that you guys discover who you are and learn how to live it every day, wherever you go. You don't have to be in a church. You don't have to be in a religious society to make an impact. Um, recently, I, I work for this. Uh, I started a company rec- about six months ago, seven months ago, and it's been so fun and also very tiring because it's a service-based business that is very good, but it's definitely not my passion. The coolest thing about it is I work for this massive company. They're about a $2 billion company, and I'm contracted by them, and so I have, uh, they're one of my biggest contracts. And 
And so I work with them a lot, and they have several hundred people in their offices, and it's been so cool. And their business is around the cannabis industry, and it's been really neat because even, you know, even the influence that when I have people come work with me, you know, watching the way the office responds to me is interesting because they treat me like nobody else in that office. I know just about everybody's name, and they know mine. Um, I have more access to things in that business than most of their own employees, and I don't even work for them. And I mean, this company has 24-hour armed guard security, I mean, very high-level security clearances, and they just have watched me over, over the last six, eight months. And I tell you what, without integrity and without trust, um, I wouldn't have the opportunities I have and I wouldn't be able to make the kind of money I do with them. And so it's been really fun to like learn, especially with the Enneagram. I've been through so much counseling and inner healing, but the Enneagram being able to put language to who I am has completely changed my life. And, um, so I'm excited for this. I'm excited for this journey with everybody. I can't wait. You know, this is, this is all just getting started and so please, um, this, this podcast is about vulnerability, it's about chasing fear, it's about going into emotions rather than running from them, and I just want to walk with you guys. I want to I wanna know what you're about, and I'm going to have a lot of people on this show, um, like my best friend Jared, I'm definitely going to interview him, he's a type two, so it'll be kind of fun to hear his perspective on living with an eight. My wife, Adriana, is a type six, and so that's going to be very fun hearing, <laughs> hearing um, from a person who's, who's natively more, the type six is more of a fear-based individual, and a type eight doesn't uh, really have any fear. <laughs> I, I've been labeled as a bull in a china shop, and I would probably say that's pretty accurate at times. Um, yeah, we're self-reliant, and we want to prove our strength, and we want to resist weakness and fear. Our goal is to be very important to the world, to dominate any environment we're in, and stay in control of the situation. That's it. the key motivators to a type 8, and um, doesn't mean we always live from there, but a lot of times it's definitely, um, it's got some influence in, in us doing what we do. So I'm taking all kinds of great... Um, great advice. If you guys have anything that you'd like to say or any questions or um, anything you'd like to hear, please shoot us an email. Check out the rest of the other nine types. We have, we have all of them that we're, we're going to be putting out content for. So yeah, excited to be on this journey with all of you. Thank you so much, and we will see you soon. The podcast you just heard was published with Anchor. Got something you want to say to the creator of this show? Send them a voice message using the Anchor app, free for iOS and Android. Thanks for listening. Feel free to send questions or ideas or feedback to type8 at enneagrampodcasts.com. And make sure to subscribe to the show. And if you would like to support this collective, head over to enneagrampodcasts.com and find out different ways to support the shows.